This is the Outreach.fm podcast. Nowadays, sometimes you can look at the world and think, we've gone crazy. Things seem out of control. But remember, God is always in control. Are you looking for something fresh, new, and exciting? This is the Outreach.fm podcast. Taking the positive message of Jesus Christ to the world. Proclaiming he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Broadcasting from the Upper Room Studios to the world. Are you ready? Let's get into it. This is Outreach.fm. And now, here's Pastor William Luffman. In the mornings, we've been in a little study. We're in recover mode. Everybody say recover. Uh, COVID-19 is real. It's still out there. We've never said that it wasn't. People have certainly gotten sick and certainly have died from it. I believe that it's losing its hold. I'm believing God. Uh, for this nation to get well and heal. I'm believing for a vaccine for those who I'm pretty sure are going to have to have it or they're not going to move forward. You know, if you don't understand the things of God and, you don't, and you're not rooted in the word of God, you don't have any other options than to lean on the intellect of man. And I just said something bigger than you heard right there, but, but it's true. You know, you've kind of reduced your options. If all you, all you can do is, I mean, if you're, if you're reduced to relying on science then, and I know most of the world is, then we have to pray that science and medicine will produce a vaccine for those who rely on it. I'm not even putting that down because we certainly need to move forward as a human, as a human race. We need to get back to living. Amen. And uh, so we're praying for all the folks that have been affected by that, but it's time to move and it's time to recover. Amen. God wants you to recover. And when God causes you to recover, boy, oh boy, he does it in a strong way. You don't just get back to where you were. You get to go beyond where you were. And uh, that's the great news. So here in 2 Timothy chapter 2, we've been talking about winning the mind games. Everybody say winning the mind games. Now we know the devil is the master of the mind games. He If the devil was as powerful as we have been told that he was, he wouldn't have to play mind games. He'd knock you in the head, kill you, and move on to the next person. But he's not that powerful. He has to work through our our soul, which is our mind, our emotions, and our will. He has to get involved in there. And he knows that even though you're born again, if you are a Christian, your spirit's been reborn, your mind has not been reborn. The Bible says you you have to renew your mind. You have to do some things to keep your mind right, or otherwise the devil's going to take advantage of you. So Paul here, let me reset this. Paul is writing to a pastor here. This is what's really important. Before you read this, you need to understand to whom he was writing it and why he wrote it. He was writing to a young pastor, and he was telling him, if you read the first two chapters or leading up to this part in chapter two, he's telling him about different people that have helped him. He's telling him about people that have deserted him. He said, there were some that were with me and they turned against me completely. He's trying to prepare a young pastor. He said, now let me just tell you, when you start pastoring God's people, whoo, boy, you better be ready for some stuff. And let me testify, after 44 years, if you're going to take care of God, folk, you better be ready for some stuff. Amen. You know, there's a reason why God told Joshua when he was taking over Moses, don't be afraid of the people's faces. There's a reason why more than once he said to Paul, don't be discouraged by the people. 
Because the people are going to be in different phases of their walk with God. Amen. But then he tells them here in verse 24, he said, there is a group of people that you're going to deal with that's going to be pretty amazing when you deal with them. You're going to be surprised. He said in verse 24, the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle with unto all men, apt to teach and patient. Now, I came from a Pentecostal background, man, where they didn't teach, man, it was preaching. And, it's, and I'm good for preaching. I love to preach. I get in a little preach every day. I go for it. And I, when I talk about preaching, I mean, I'm talking about, I thought they were all Italian. I didn't know because they said, and the Lord has said, he's going to do this. He's going to help you. I thought, my God, what part of Italy did they come from? But they were energetic and they were vibrant and they were powerful. And I'm not making fun. But what I realized after sitting in an environment like that for a while, there's times where you got to slow the train down a minute and you got to teach some things. Most of the things that you're good at, that you're really good at, or that you know that you know, was, didn't come through a shouting session. It came through you sitting and listening and learning and being taught. And for us to think in the body of Christ that we can run this thing off of emotion all the time, which I love a good shout. I love a good dance. I love for people to rejoice in the Lord and praise God. I'm all for it. But if you think you're going to win against someone as sly and old and crafty as the devil by just jumping around and shouting all the time, you're fooling yourself. You better have this word of God so far down on the inside of you that you don't have to think about it, that it just comes roaring out of your mouth. Now, when Jesus was confronted with the devil, he was tempted those times after 40, after 40 days of prayer and fasting, he comes up out of this fast. I mean, spiritually, you would think he's on fire and he really is. But he's not on fire the way that most people would think. They identify Christians with being on fire as by the, how exuberant they are. But I've known a lot of people that shouted in the service that went out in the parking lot and they were already in doubt and unbelief. Don't be fooled by people that shout. Now, I'm not, and I'm not saying everybody. We got some authentic shouters in here, I want you to know. They're the real deal. They, they carry it out of the church with them. They're good to go. But notice when Jesus was tempted of the devil... He didn't start shouting, dancing, leaping. He just said, it is written. He, he took the word, spoke it out of his mouth and said, it is written. And that's the way he defeated the devil. Why? Well, if he did it that way, don't you know that it was written for us as an example so we know how to win? Amen. But notice here, verse 25. He's writing to this young pastor. He said, there's a group of people that in meekness, you're going to instructing those that oppose themselves. So he said, as a young pastor, you're going to be shocked by this. But one of the groups of people you're going to deal with are going to be this group of people that are their own worst enemy. You're going to preach to them and you're going to teach them and you're going to lay hands on them a thousand times. I mean, you're going to give them a lot of attention but after a while, you're going to realize that there's this group that no matter what you do, they just keep tripping themselves. I mean, they're tripping themselves every day of their life. Are you listening to me? Now, before we judge anybody, we all have been that person. And in, to some degree, we still occasionally, <laughs> we get in our own way. But now, 
Here's what Paul tells Timothy. The way to get this fixed is you're going to have to be patient. You're going to have to be gentle. And you're going to, be ha- you're going to have to be apt to teach them. Because eventually maybe you can get this word in them. And it says the acknowledging of the truth will bring them to repentance. Meaning they'll know they've got to make some changes. Can you shout amen? Then look at verse 26. And that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who's taken captive by him at his will. So he said these people that are always their own worst enemy, you can actually coach them up. Everybody say coach them up. See, my job is to coach you up. Coach you up. Get, let, let you see, here's what the enemy's going to do. We know how to counter that. Here's what you do. When he runs this play, you run this play, and you're going to win. The Bible says we're actually not ignorant of his devices, but that's only true if you go to a church that teaches you the right things. Amen. Now, uh, we won't turn there, but in Genesis 3, or excuse me, Genesis 5, uh, 6, 5. Genesis 6, 5. We see where God had to make an adjustment on the earth because he said the thoughts of man were only evil continually. Now, Pastor Ginger said between the, the services, we went to the back for a moment uh, and came right back out for the second service. She said, we're almost there again. Where the thought of man is evil continually. I mean, we're in a really strange moment in history right now. That we have to be careful we don't get sucked into the vacuum of it. We need to always remind ourselves we are in the world, but we are not of the world. Now, I I don't know what day it was for you, but June the 27th, 1976, this long-haired hippie kid who knew nothing about God, had no religious training, no religious background, no spiritual pedigree for my family, went into a little storefront church with a homemade altar at the front, kneeled down and cried out to God and said, Lord, save me. And on that day, something did happen in my life. And I became a dual citizen. I am on the earth, but I have a citizenship already waiting in heaven for me. Amen. I don't know what day that was for you, but that was a glorious day for me. But the devil will not let you just have a wonderful ride along the way until you're called home. Now, we've already established if he was as mighty and powerful as we've all made him out to be, he would have just knocked us in the head and killed us a long time ago. But he can't do that. Actually, you have a lot more dominion than he does. Actually, you have a lot more authority than he does. You have the name, the blood, the Holy Ghost. Amen. The scriptures, the Holy Scriptures. You have examples. You have brothers. You have the power of agreement. And the list goes on and on. You have ways to defeat him. So what is he going to do? How in the world then, then why is he able to make such a mess? Because the world is in a mess. Well, the answer is he gets in through your mind. And he starts toying with your thought life and trying to tell you things that are not true or distorts what God has already said. Can you say amen? amen. Now, I, wanna, I want you to be patient with me for a couple of minutes. I was not able to get this into the first service And I know some of you know, but I want to read you some definitions of psychological warfare. Because the devil is always launching psychological warfare on God's people. Psychological warfare, also called psywar, the use of propaganda against an enemy 
supported by such, such as military, economic, or political measures as may be required. So psychological warfare, warfare is, is something that is propaganda. Something the devil wants to put in your mind. That's why it's called psychological. Here's another. Such propaganda is generally intended to demoralize the enemy, to break his will to fight or resist, and sometimes to, to, to render him favorably disposed to one's position. So the devil wants to spread it, put thoughts in your mind so that you won't even fight anymore. He'll tell you, you are not going to recover. It is not going to happen. You are going down. It is over. You have hurt too many people. You've made too many messes. You have too many kids in three or four different places. Whatever the, whatever the, the indictment is against you, he will wear you out with it. It's called psychological warfare because his idea is to get you where you will no longer resist him. You will no longer fight back. You'll just say, you know, I guess that's it. You know, Oral Roberts used to say, any old dead fish can go downstream. Now, I got to tell my story here that I've told before. I'm out fishing with my stepfather back in the 70s, and uh, it's a hot summer day. I mean, he got off a few days work and I got off a few days and Ginger's brother Paul was with us and Paul was a teenager then and we, we rented this little boat and we got out in the lake down here at, uh, down at Paris Land and we're out there and we're, we're going fishing, man. We're going to go fishing. We went out there, man. We baked like, we baked like a lobster. We, we got bit by bugs. We didn't get any bites on our line. And we were getting ready to go into the dock and we were all kind of burned out, worn out, beat down. And we're going along and they look. And the next thing I know, my stepfather gets a net and he scoops up and he goes, I got a fish. And I thought, you got a fish? How'd you do it? I looked at thought, and I looked at, man, that fish been dead four days. It'd been laying in the water. <laughs> old Robert said, any old dead fish can flow with the water, but it takes a live fish to go upstream. So you got to decide, I'm not, I'm not going, to, I'm a live fish, man. I'm going against that thing. Psychological warfare is to break you down so you don't even resist anymore. You don't even fight back anymore. Let me read some more. Although it can involve violence or the threat of violence, it, is, it often involves the intentional spreading of certain controlled information and is mixed in with rumors. So it says a lot of times it's not even violence or it's not even physical, but the devil will throw some confusion out there. Spread a little room. Oh, you're, you know, man, they're after you. You're going, oh, man. And all this stuff gets in your head. The Bible says that, that the wicked flee when no one chases them. See, the devil will get in your head. Amen. See, understand, I want you to understand this psychological warfare that the devil is launching because he can't physically just come and get you. He has to launch a psychological warfare on you. Let me read a little more. Thank you for your patience. This often causes confusion and can result in causing internal confusion and damage without any outside attack. You'll, you'll feel a little pain. What was that? Oh, man. I got it. I got it. So, oh, God. Oh, I got Oh, there it is again. 
Before you know it, man, you have already gotten every disease ever put on the planet. You, you, you are, you are, you, you confess you're dying in the next five days. I mean, you, 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 you've gone from being feeling good to picking out a coffin in three days. Notice how the devil get in your head, get in your mind. Well, you've gone through a divorce. Nobody will want you now. You're just marked and you're just, you know, nobody. You've been cast to the side and nobody, you just, I mean, you're just going to be lonely the rest of your life. You're going to be alone. Nobody's going to want you, blah, 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 blah. Well, shut up, fat mouth, because you're wrong. Some point, you've got to fight back. Now, I felt like that. I, I'm telling you, not from just the Bible. I mean, I'm preaching from experience. I was at that point one time. You get, when you, when you fall in love when you're young and you follow that and you build a whole life around it and then that blows up in your face and I had it happen to me. Man, I was suicidal. The devil put thoughts in my head. You can't handle this. You can't take this pressure. You can't take this strain. You, you, you cannot live like, you might as well end it. And there finally came up, and I actually listened and entertained those thoughts and, and I began to meditate on them. I even ran scenarios in my mind of how I might end my own life. I'm talking about back there when I was 21. That was like, you know, a couple days ago. <laughs> Plus 40 years, praise God. <laughs> but it's amazing how he, if he can get a thought in, it's amazing how quickly he can turn it extreme on you. Now listen to what the Encyclopedia Britannica gives as a definition for psycho psychological warfare. It says psychological warfare employs any weapon to influence the mind of the enemy. Any weapon to influence the mind of the enemy. The devil will try anything he can. He'll send, he'll, he'll send people along your path to confirm what he's saying. You know, that you are going down, nobody wants you, nobody will have you, you'll never have a life. Now, when I was beat down in those early days, I actually was thinking, I, 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 but, but once I broke through that line and I said, no, no, the Bible says, the Bible, God's word says that I have, I know I have an expected end for you, not an unexpected end. I have an expected end, a hope and a future. Over in Jeremiah 29, 11, I, have, I actually have a plan for you. I already knew you'd be down. I already knew that you would be in a hurt moment, but I actually have a plan from where you are to pull you out and bring you out of it. Can you shout amen? Someone said, whatever gets in your mind gets you. So you got to protect what gets in your mind. And the devil will tell you once you're saved and born again, you're not even saved anymore. Why, you just said a cuss word, you're not saved. You just had a thought, that's not right. No, no, see, and see, he'll try to get you to question whether it's even real what you, what you experienced. And then again, he'll send lots of people to help you with that information. Man, who you kidding? You're not real. Look at you, you're not, come on. I mean, come on, man, this thing ain't real for you. Are you listening to me? Now, Proverbs 15 and 4 in the New Living Translation says this, a wise man is hungry for knowledge, but a fool feeds on trash. A wise man is hungry for knowledge, but a fool feeds on trash. You got to decide, bless God, I am, all I, what I want to do is learn more about who I am in Christ Jesus. 
What I was and who I was doesn't even matter. According to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, that man is dead. That man is gone. No more than you can go out to any graveyard out here today. And I've led 400 people to the graveside of people doing funerals all these 40 plus years. I've been to them many, 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 many times. And I'm telling you what, as much as those people loved that person they were putting in the ground, you couldn't go out there today and get a single one of them to come out of that ground and walk around with you. Because they are dead. Talking about their body. Amen. Well, you, the Bible says that old man has died. It's, it's gone. If any man be in Christ, he is. Not he's going to be, not he will be, but he is a new creation in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away and behold, all things are become new and all things are of God. Now, one of the biggest ways you can defeat the devil is to find out who you are in Christ Jesus and then say it out of your mouth. Notice Jesus, again, going back to what we referred to earlier, that's in Matthew 4, when Jesus was being tempted of the devil, he didn't just sit there and mentally go, mm, in his mind, I am the son of God, mm, go, go, go. Mm. No, he said, it is written. He opened his mouth. He used the most power. Listen, if you're here on Thursday nights or you're watching on Thursday nights, we found out that we, the people of God, God gave us a superpower, a superpower, a superpower. God gave every man and woman on planet earth a superpower, not to fly, not to outrace locomotives, but he gave us the superpower of words. And when we speak them and we know what we're saying, they change our lives. Bless God, I'm getting a little Pentecostal on you now. Praise God, hallelujah, thing Jesus said. Here's when you know you're getting Pentecostal. I can't sweat like T.D., man. Oh, T.D., man. He, that, that man, he's a preaching machine. Amen. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Go over there quickly. If you love the Lord, shout amen. amen. Don't you let the devil get away with. Now, you can't stop him from telling you. But don't let, a, let him get away with telling you that you're beat up, beat down, hurt, broken, depressed sick, gonna die. Don't let him get by with that. When he comes with that, have a response. Get a response ready. I, there are times you, you, when you're in public, you need to respond even when you're in public. When the devil goes, All right, well, I'm gonna kill you today. You need to say out loud, I will live and not die so that I might declare his works in the land of the living. Praise God. I mean, if you do that at work sometimes, people go, But you know what? You need to have an immediate response. See, when you meditate on something, that's when it gets in your heart. When it gets in your heart, it gets deadly because it does come out of your mouth. And according to Proverbs 18, 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue. There are, if you look at all of the scriptures, including words, confession, your mouth, and you use all of those different uh, search words, you're going to find hundreds of passages in the Bible.
that talk to you about your mouth. And I'm not trying to get in there. That's where we are on Thursday nights. If you come on Thursday night, we're going to teach you how to use a superpower of words. Amen. You can do something better than fly. I mean, even, even Superman couldn't just say something and it happened. He had to go and use might to do it. You've got a superpower called words. Amen. Second Corinthians chapter 10. If GP, are you with me? I'm going to pass out a seat one day so we can all say it together. Second Timothy chapter 10 verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh. Now I said this morning, I'll say it again. As long as you're on this earth, uh, the, the way you get to stay here is you have a body. The moment your body is done, you're done here. Then there's only, now you're going to live forever. Every human being ever birthed or even thought about being birthed. See, even those babies in those mother's womb that all these people want to say, the woman want to say, no, wait a minute, excuse me, honey. That baby wasn't yours first. That was actually God's. He said, before I formed you in the mother's womb, you need to take one more step back. Before I formed you in the mother's womb, he said, I knew you. So every human being that's ever been presented into a womb, even if it was for a short time or born on this planet outwardly in a body, you get to stay here as long as you have the body. When your body's gone, you don't get to stay here, but you're going to live forever. Every human being will live forever either in heaven or in hell and there's no middle ground anymore. There is no paradise or upper parts of shoal and you can't pay penance anymore to get somebody out of hell. Honey, when they're done, they're done. After, after that comes the judgment. Now don't shout me down now because I'm preaching a little bit to you. Trying to help sort out a few things for you. Most churches today don't talk about heaven and hell, but I mean, come on, if there's only two places, I want to know about both of them because I sure don't want to go to one and I absolutely want to make sure I'm going to the other. Amen. But notice he says, though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. I mean, I don't know, unless you are a prize fighter, I don't think everybody wakes up all day and does this all day. And they're beating somebody off of them from the moment they wake up to the moment they go to bed. I don't, I don't think this happens all day long. I mean, you know, you might have a, a tussle, you know, every now and then. But more than likely, you're not going to spend your whole day. Oh, dear God. You know. You're just not going to. And yet at the same time, the Bible says we are in a constant war. But he says it's not a war of the flesh. But notice what he says, for the weapons, oh, how many of you like weapons? I won't mention that I know somebody very close to us who really likes weapons, who's sitting behind my wife, praise God. <laughs> for the weapons of our warfare, so this tells we're in a war, are not carnal, and if we're not fighting a flesh war, then we don't need fleshy weapons, not this kind of battle. They won't work. You can get a gun every day and shoot it in the air towards the devil and you're not ever going to hit him. You can't kill him like that and you can't get him to leave you like that. You can get some people to go. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> but they are mighty. Listen to this, but they are mighty. Everyone say mighty. Man, I love that word. But they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. One 
uh, translation in the Greek, that word strongholds is in reference to your mind. He's talking about you, you actually, God's going to give you weapons where when you're under siege in your mind, God's going to give you weapons to pull those things off of you. Now, you know, if someone's on you and they're beating on you and you pull a gun, if they're smart, they get off. And the devil knows when you pull the word on him, he knows. Uh-oh. Three different times he, he tested Jesus. When he realized Jesus was staying on the word, the Bible says he left. Amen. Read it for yourself. Now, look here at verse 5. What an enormous verse verse 5 is. Now, it's implied, when it, before we even start reading verse 5, I want, I want you to understand that, it, that it's implied you. Because you're the reader. So, think about this as you, not just a verse being put in the Bible. You casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. What does that mean? Well, if the devil says you're going to die and you're sick and you're going to die of this cancer, you get to use the word of God on him. says, by his stripes, I'm actually healed. You have the right to speak back at him according to what God has said. The Bible doesn't say by his stripes you were going to be healed. It says you were healed. It is a past tense event that rippled through mankind. Notice this, you casting down imaginations, every high thing that exhausts itself against the knowledge of God, and you, everybody say me or I, say I, I, or I would be doing this, bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. So there he gives you the whole key here. The war is going to be here. The devil's going to mess with your mind. He's going to tell you, you can't resist sin. You can't help yourself. You're just an alcoholic. Go ahead and admit it. You are a dope addict. You're never going to change. You're always going to want it. You can't break free. You've been to rehab. You've taken the 12-step program. You've done everything they said. You know, it's just, I got you on this one. You're never, and you just got to reject it, reject it, reject it, reject it. And say, no, I am born again. I am delivered. I cried out to the Lord according to Psalms 34. He delivered me from all my affliction, all of my fear. It says in, in uh, Psalm 34, verse 17. And verse 4 too, by the way. Amen. Do you love the Lord? So again, the devil pulls this stuff over and over and over. But we have mighty weapons to fight him with. Mighty weapons to fight him with. We cannot we cannot let our mind be captured by him anymore. But we're going to have to protect your mind. Go with me over to, uh, uh, go to Romans 12. It's not in my notes this morning, but I feel impressed I should go there. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, by the way, don't go there. But it talks about uh, not giving the devil. I'm going to go back. Actually, I'll go back there in a minute, but let's go to Romans 12 while we're here. Romans 12, verse 1, I beseech you therefore, brethren. Now he's talking to whom here? Christians. It's understood. This is to believers. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. So I have to understand, my body did not get saved when I got saved. 
my spirit man got reborn. The real me on the inside actually got reborn and is new. But I'm still fighting some things. I still have a flesh body. And it's going to want to act up. I've still got this thing called the soul that has the mind, emotions, and the will. And the, so the devil understands, I've got to get them there. I can't get them any other way. Right? But God says then we're, we're supposed to learn how to present even our bodies to God. Now, when a husband and wife get married, did you know it says over in uh, uh, 1 Peter, I think, I think it's chapter 3, talks about how, and it talks about really about the husband and wife. When you get married, you actually get married, your body belongs to your mate. Now, don't get quiet on me. Some of the men love to say amen, but they don't want to get jabbed by their wife too much. And it's, a, it's astounding to me how many Christian men and women don't understand the context of marriage and what God had to say there. They think they have the right to withhold their body from their spouse. Well, it's my body. Excuse me. The two shall become one. And now the body that you brought into this marriage, actually you offered it as part of that marriage sacrament or vow. You said, I'm offering this body to you. And they said, I'm offering my body to you. Now, now, don't get quiet on me. I'm pastoring a little right now. When you pastor, you get to go down these rabbit trails. You know, you, you can stay on the subject, but you get to veer a little bit here, there, and yonder. Visiting preachers don't get to do this. We don't allow that. Amen. <laughs> Amen. But I'm not visiting. I've been visiting here for 31 years. And I'm not, you're not getting rid of me. Amen. If anybody goes away, it's not going to be me. Praise God. I don't say that in arrogance. I say it because I'm here. I'm here because the Lord told me. But, but I wanted to show you a principle here. So I all, I, it's understood that I offer my body to, to my spouse, to my wife. She's sitting there today. That does not just mean sexually, but it does include that. Now, anything I can do in my life with this body to, to please her, to bless her, which would be not just in the privacy of a bedroom, but would be in the context of life, I'm supposed to do what I can She's supposed to do what she can. And the Bible actually says you don't have a right to withhold it. It's called fraud. It says it, says it in Peter, defraud not. Now, what, now we're getting into some stuff here. Now, 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 we're, now, we're, now I'm meddling a little bit, but it's all good. The Bible says you fraud, you're a fraud if you, told, if you gave, I'm, I'm going to be your wife, I'm going to be your husband, and then you, you wind up in the bedroom. I'm not doing it. Okay, then now, I'm not telling anything you know, ridiculous. I'm talking about just having normal relations. But, man, you got to clarify everything now, man. I mean, dear God. There's some weird stuff out there, y'all. It's like, Lord. I've been a pastor 44 years, and some of the stuff people come in my office talk to me about, I'm like, you did what? With where and how? I don't need that information. You need to get saved, what I tell half of them. We got to cast the devil out first, get you saved again. Bless God. But you, have, but, but, but you have to get your mind renewed that I don't have the right to just refuse because now I've already made that offer and we've already become one. I have to please them. It's upon me to do it. But now let's go back to our scripture. That's the same commitment that we need to have with God. He said it's a reasonable service to bring your bodies to God and offer them because after all, you've, he's already redeemed you and saved you and part of the agreement was you would bring the rest of yourself to him. If he calls you to be born again and live forever, part of that agreement is now you'll bring your body to him. 
and you'll renew your mind. Look at verse 2. And be not conformed to this world. Stop a moment. Because this is the problem in the church of Jesus Christ in America mainly today is instead of us having a standard for the world to look at, we've decided to become more like the world. Oh, I knew that'd get a grunt and a couple of groans. Instead of us being a standard for the world to look at, calling ourselves Christians, proclaiming Christ, having the bumper sticker, having the earrings, having all the paraphernalia, got the good catchwords, praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We have to understand that if we don't watch it, we're being sucked into being, instead of us showing the world what a believer looks like, we are more concerned about being and fitting in with the rest of the world. Now, I'm not talking about your physical appearance. You know, this is not, we're not talking about that, but you understand what I'm saying? Listen to what it says here. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. How many of you want to be transformed? You know, I, I, I remember faintly that old William back in the 1970s. I was, I mean, I was a wreck, man. I cursed my mama when I was 12 and 13. I know some of you said, if I'd have done that, I got knocked out the door. Well, I, my mama couldn't do that. My little mama was a short little lady and she was scared of her shadow and, and she'd already gone through so many men and, and they were all gone. And, and we kids, the three that were left out of the nine there at the house, she, she, you know, we just did whatever we wanted to. And it, I'm not proud of it. It was, it was wrong and I thank God it's under the blood. I was a little punk. And growing up as a teenager, disrespectful to my mom, doing all this crazy stuff, I was given a motorcycle when I was 14, which became a, <laughs> it became a vehicle to some bad stuff and did a lot of stuff and all that. And, and, but I remember that person. I, I just, I, you know, I don't ever want to be that person. I said this morning, and I think I said it in this service. If I didn't, I apologize. When you do multiple services, sometimes you do lose track with one stopped and another one started. But I don't want to be remembered like that. I don't want that to be the way that my legacy is. Thank God my little mom got born again. She wasn't a Christian. She got born again under my ministry. You know the story. When I became a young preacher, she got born again. She lived out her last 16 years as one of the most dedicated Christians you'd ever seen on planet Earth before she went to heaven in 1993, which was 27 years ago. But, but so we got all that squared away. You know, I apologized and repented to her even a long time ago. But I, 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 I like the transformed version of me a lot better. I'm a lot better version like this than I was before. But do you know if I don't watch it, if I let my mind get, get taken over again with the world and, and everybody else's philosophies and ideas and the devil's thoughts, you know what? I'll eventually revert back to that same old person. But, no, but listen to what, I want you to see this scripture is powerful. We're about to close. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. Well, how am I going to do it? Well, it tells you by the renewing of your mind that you might prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I, I, I do not, if, if I live the rest of my life on this earth and I don't please people at all, so be it. If, if, if people don't, I don't care, but I just want to finish where God wants me to finish. 
The devil does not have the right to just command you to do anything. He, he will come to your mind, but you've got to fight back. It needs to start today. You need to stand against him today. The moment you have that thought of, I'm going to lose, we're not going to make it, the money's not coming in, I'm so bad, nobody wants to talk to me. You know, when all that trash starts getting peddled at your mind, you need to say, it is written. Use the word of God. I, and I mean, you need to do it with authority because you have authority. You don't need to do it meekly. You don't need to do it lightly. You don't need to be kind to the devil. You just need to stand up and, and be who you are in Christ. I didn't read this verse, but in 2 Corinthians 2, 11, out of, the, out of the message, I read it this morning. I thought it's worthy of making what we're talking about. It says this, after all, we don't want to unwittingly give Satan an opening for yet more mischief, we're not oblivious to his sly ways. In other words, the devil's going to get his opportunities. The last thing we want to do is to unwittingly give him an opening that he doesn't deserve. Now, here's where I am in my life. I still, I still fight the same battles you fight. The devil comes and presents thoughts to me just like he does to you. And he always gives you these negative scenarios and what all this is going to happen. But, but I, I, I try to make sure after all these years, I have to remember, I have to do like, I have to go right back to this Bible. I have to meditate on what the word says. It, then I will prosper. Then I will make my way successful. And I have to say it out of my mouth. And I've got to say it until it comes out with force. And now I believe what I'm saying rather than what the devil is saying. I believe what's coming out of my mouth rather than what's coming out of your mouth. I've had a lot of people come through these doors over the years and prophesy my doom, my destruction, the church this, the church that, blah, 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 blah. And I just learned over time, you know, I'm not listening to you at all because after all, you're not my God. I'm going to my Bible. I'm standing on the word. I'm going to stick with God. I'm going to say what God says. I'm going to believe what God says about me. And in the middle of a pandemic, we're going to pay off buildings, which we did. Let God be true and every man a liar. It's what the Bible says. We're, you are in charge. Cast down imaginations. The moment your body says you're sick, say, I am so healed by the stripes of Jesus. Whew, boy, I, I just felt the healing right there. My God. Boy, 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 boy I got healed. Boy, it just went right there in my leg, too. So I, I tell you one thing, man, I mind the outside. It's just killing me, I tell you what. I can't walk across the floor unless I feel like I'm going to die. Stop! Proverbs 6 and 2, you are snared by the words of your mouth. Psalm 45, 1, your tongue is the pen of a ready writer. Matthew 12, 37, by your words, you're justified. By your words, you're condemned. Shut up. Until you can say the right thing, don't talk. That's what God did with Zechariah there in the temple. He said, your wife Elizabeth's going to have a son. And he was like, no, wait a minute. We better hold him. It ain't like we've been trying, but, but she can't get pregnant. She's old. She better. And God said, shh. And God shut him up until, it was, until John was finally born. And he said, by the way, make sure you call him John. Everybody came around and said, he's going to be junior. And finally, Zechariah said, he goes, his name is John. God said, uh-huh. Now you can talk because he's saying the right thing. Say the right thing. 
This is not naming and claiming. And, all, you know, people get in, naming and claiming. Well, I mean, you know, I've always said naming and claiming is better than blab it and grab it. Or it's better than doubt it and shout it, which is what emotionalism does. Emotionalism will get you to shout, but it'll also keep you in doubt. And you just got to go ahead and get beyond it and get to the Word of God and confess this Word. We got people in here today that are alive today because when the thought came to their mind that you're going to die, and even the report came and said you're going to die, they said, I will live and not die, and I will proclaim the goodness of God in the land of the living. Somebody stand up and somebody shout unto God. Shout unto God. Now, is it easy? Uh, that, that's, a, that's a trick question. It is, but it isn't. It's not easy because we've been so proficiently trained in the negative and so proficiently trained to speak what we feel and speak what we can only see with our senses. We've been so proficiently trained at it. But on the other hand, if you'll just start, you know, you don't have to even... You don't even have to believe it when you start saying it. You just got to keep saying it till you believe it. Oh, that's a pretty big statement right there. You don't even have to believe it when you start saying it, but you got to keep saying it until you believe it. How can I prove that? Mark eleven twenty three. Therefore, I say unto you, verily, verily, I say unto you, whosoever shall... Now, I want you to count how many times it says the word say in this scripture. Verily, verily, I say unto you, what things soever you desire when you pray... Believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Notice what it says there. Talks about praying. Talks about saying to the mountain. Saying and praying. What things serve you desire when you pray? Believe. And then and it talks about saying to the mountain. You got to say it and say it and say it and say it. What things serve you desire when you pray? Believe that you receive. You got to believe. But, but notice you say it and you believe it. And you say it and you say it. Notice Jesus. He only had to say one time to that tree die and it died. Now at the beginning you're not going to be that good. But if you keep saying, if you keep saying it long enough, you'll believe what you say. And it becomes kind of an unusual thing in your life when you start saying what God says when your mind is telling you something different and you will not let it out of your mouth. If you got a... On Thursday night, I, I've been teaching about how David said... God put a watch over my mouth that I don't sin against you. Now, he wasn't talking about that adultery he committed with Bathsheba. He didn't do that. That was a physical act. But he knew there was something even more, more poisonous. He said, God put a watch over my mouth that I don't sin against you. That sin of adultery was bad enough, but, you know, you're, you know, there, God, God can help me get redeemed and, and recover. But if I keep saying the wrong thing with my mouth, I'm doomed. By your words, not my words, by your words you are justified and by your words you are condemned. Did you get anything out of this? Give the Lord a shout. Come on, give him praise this morning. Give him praise this morning. Say this with me. Say, the word says that I belong to God. I'm born again. I'm redeemed. I'm not who I was. I have rights. I have authority. I have benefits by being a child of God. I make a decision to put God's word 
in my heart and let it come out of my mouth. No matter what thought comes into my mind, if it doesn't agree with God, I refuse to let it out of my mouth. Father, put a watch over my mouth that I won't sin against you. In Jesus' name, I will overcome all. Now give the Lord praise for it right now. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. We got some folks watching today. Jody, I know you're watching the DeRoses, man. She's, uh, she's about to give birth again, man. They got a whole passel of kids. And, and, uh, but I like it, you know, um, these are folks that used to be with us back in the old police building and before. And, and, and I just, you know, the thing that, that I love is people that are sticking with the word right now. Yeah. Folks, just stick with the word. That world out there is not going to get it right. I promise you an election can't fix this mess. No matter who stays or who goes, it won't matter. I, the month of October, I'm going to preach a whole month. About I told you earlier, I'm preaching a series the entire month of October called Looking Unto Jesus. I am not looking unto a party. I'm not looking into a candidate. I, as a matter of fact, I want to sweep that mess as far as I can get it over here. I want to get my thoughts back on the only person who went to the cross and died for my sins and loved me when I was despicable and I was unlovable and I was a mess and I was broken and had nothing at all. Why God would save me, I don't know. I didn't have any money. I didn't have any pedigree. I didn't have any education. I didn't have anything. But he saw something and he saved me. And that's why for the rest of my life, I'm looking unto Jesus. I'm looking unto Jesus. And just, you know, fight this battle. But, but the, uh, again, I can't stress it enough. Fight it by responding quickly. When the thought comes, don't let it sit there. Don't let it continue to build. Don't let it continue to form. Don't let him compound it. You immediately respond just like Jesus did and say, it is written. You've been listening to the Outreach.fm podcast with your host, Pastor William Luffman. We hope you've gotten some inspiration from this show. We enjoyed bringing it to you. We'll be back soon. But in the meantime, reach out online. Find our website at faithoutreach.org. The streaming platform is livestreamchurch.com. Get an inspirational shot at a doseofhope.com. You've been listening to Outreach.fm. And remember, no matter what the weather may seem like in your life, the sun's going to shine again.